KYW Original Podcasts. It's just a good conversation with somebody that you didn't know you were interested in. I'm Matt Leon, and this is One on One. It's the relationships with the players that you develop. And I mean, I'm part time, so I mean, there's a lot of times where I wish I was full time, so I was there more. It's the relationships with your coaching staff, you know, other coaches, players who graduate who you still stay in touch with so that for me is definitely my my favorite part of coaching and our guest this week jackie hartzell one of the top women's basketball coaches in the region entering her seventh season as the head coach at division two university of the sciences jackie thanks so much for coming in thanks for having me it's an honor to be here so as we're talking now it's the beginning of november how excited are you to get started, and what's the feel for the, the group here as you get ready to start the season? Uh, we're very excited to get started. Um, it's a long preseason. Uh, you start preseason workouts in early September, so we've been going for, for a while now, and you know it's always exciting when games are getting ready to begin, and you know we're definitely looking forward to the challenge of playing against someone else other than ourselves at practice every day. You have turned sciences into a regional power do you feel more pressure at this point in your career because you've gotten to a point where you're good year in year out than you did early in your career or not really I don't I wouldn't say that it's it's more pressure um it's just a different standard um you know a few years ago we we really just wanted respect and you know being an academic school a science school you know it's 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 not a surprise that we, we didn't get a whole lot of respect and, you know, now we have it, but um, it's very easy to lose respect if you don't, you know, live up to those standards. So, you know, I wouldn't say it's necessarily pressure, but we definitely have a higher standard for ourselves. So let's talk about basketball. Was it always a part of your life? Your dad used to coach, if I read correctly, correct? Yeah, I mean, he just coached in, in CYO. So, um, yeah, it's always been a, a part of my life. Um, you know, I knew in... I guess in high school is when I knew that I wanted to, to coach. I looked at it. I looked at the game from a coaching perspective, and um, you know I've had a lot of people I've looked up to in coaching. So it's something that I always knew that I wanted to do, and I've been extremely fortunate um, to get to where I am because I, I don't think I saw myself as being a college coach. Um, but I'm I'm very grateful for where I'm at. And when you say you looked at the game as a coach, even. As a youngster, what do you mean by that? How did how did how would you translate that to somebody? How would, how did you see the game? You think differently? Um, I guess it wasn't. I, I didn't focus as much on you know, my individual play, but as much as what the team could be doing better. And you know, I was looking at you know the other team and what they did offensively and what we could do better, like defensively. And um, I, I guess just I was I've always just been someone who really just thinks things through a lot and um I don't know it's just it, it was just something that I knew that I would want to that I would want to coach and and was hoping that I would be a better coach than I was player so but you got to play at the you were a pretty good player in your own right you went to St. Hubert's right for high school yeah I went to St. Hubert's and then I went to Delval um and played in college so um you know I'm still very close with both both my high school coach um Sue Siebold and my college coach, Laura Hogan, um, they've definitely had you know, a really positive impact on me um, as a player and as a coach. When you were looking for high, or excuse me, looking for college, what was it that drew you to Del Valle? Did you 
want to stay relatively close to home? Yeah, I definitely wanted to to stay close. Um, I wanted to go somewhere where I would have the opportunity uh, to play right away. Um, and, you know, I, I wasn't sure what I wanted to major in uh, right away. So they, they offered a few different majors. They had a, they had a good business program, which is what I ended up uh, going into. So I was looking at all local schools. So DelVal just seemed to be the best fit. Now, I was looking through the DelVal record book, and you had one of the best three-point shooting. I think you hit 40% maybe as a junior or something like that. Was your game perimeter-oriented as a player? Uh, probably in college it was more uh, perimeter-oriented. Um, I guess I was definitely considered to be a shooter. I, I worked on my game a lot. I worked on my shooting a lot. So um, in college it was definitely more perimeter-oriented, offensive-oriented, not so much <laughs> Which is interesting because one of the hallmarks of you as a coach is your team smothers opponents defensively. Have you ever considered the irony of that? <laughs> I do, actually. I also consider the irony of you know trying to get players to take charges defensively because that's not something that I did either. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, we definitely um, we definitely really focus on the def- I mean, we focus on the offensive end as well, but we focus on the defensive end. And we take a lot of pride in our defense and, you know, holding our opponents under their average. And it's something we we work on a lot. So you said coaching was kind of always a plan. So you graduate college and how do you go about getting into the the coaching realm? Uh, When I graduated college, uh, one of my assistant coaches from St. Hubert's, Kathy Rasler, was the head coach at Hubert's at the time. And... I came on board with her. Uh, she hired me as the freshman coach and assistant JV coach. Um, so I got my, my start at Hubert's. I learned a lot there. Um, there was a coaching change after my first year at St. Hubert's. Um, so I decided to go to Archbishop Wood. Um, Jim Ritchie, my current assistant, um, was an assistant at Wood at the time. Uh, we happened to work at the same place. I, I ran into him at work and told him I was looking you know, to coach somewhere else. And um, the head coach at Archbishop Wood was Liz Bernstein, and uh, she brought me on. And I was at uh, Wood for two years as the JV coach and assistant varsity. And then I went to Archbishop Ryan after Wood and Sciences after Ryan. So that first year at St. Hubert's, even though you knew you wanted to do it, were you comfortable right away? Or was there a, oh boy, how do I how do I do this or anything like that? No, I definitely wasn't comfortable. Um, I will never forget. We, I was the freshman coach, and we played in we played against the seventh and eighth grade team. And I think we had we were having a CYO tournament, and we needed a team to uh, fill in. So we filled in, and we played St. Matt's, and we lost. And I that at that time I was I was I was like I'm done. I can't do it. It, it was because of me. I can't. I really. I just. I'm not a good coach. I'm. I'm not going to do this anymore. So I was definitely not confident that could have been the end of my coaching career um I'm glad it wasn't but um now I've never been an overly confident person um you know even to this to this day I doubt my ability sometimes as a coach so it's never been something like oh yeah I'm really good at this and I'm going to keep doing it but it was just something I really loved so I just stuck with it and I'm always trying to just learn as, as much as I can and still doing that now what pulled you off the ledge there after that first game what settled <laughs> I, you down or was it just you kind of uh, it we'll figure it out. Oh, no, it was definitely people. <laughs> it was definitely other people, uh, t- you know, telling me that it's not the end of the world. I'm sure 
you know, the other coaches at Hubert's at the time. And um, yeah, it, it definitely wasn't easy to talk me off the ledge because I was I was like, this this is it. Um, but like I said, I'm really glad I, I stuck with it. You talk about, you know, some still to this day doubting your abilities and stuff. I think that's a very human thing. That, and I think it's something that people that excel is a common trait because it allows you to keep pushing and you're, you're never satisfied because you're always concerned that, you know, what if I fall behind or stuff like that? Yeah. And I think it's also accountability as well. Um, you know, if you lose a game, um, you know, we lost in, in the NTA regional last year and, you know, I look at the tape and I, I think, well, you know, isn't, is it my fault? What could we have done better against the press? And, um, you know, I think it's important to, you know, always try to get better as a coach and to look at, you know, areas that you need to improve in and to recognize that you have, you know, weaknesses. Everyone has weaknesses in everything that they do. So, um, you know, I I recognize those and I'm I'm always trying to get better and feel more confident um, in myself overall as a coach. When did you start to hit your stride, you think? At what point in your coaching career, not that you had it all figured out, but got to the point where you were like, okay, this is what I try to do. These are the types of kids that I need to make what I want to do work. Did it, was it year two, year three, you know, do you, can, is there a point when you kind of notice that? Uh, I guess probably year four, we struggled year three. Um, this is at sciences. At sciences. Okay. Oh yeah. Yeah. At sciences is when, yeah, we struggled my, my third year. We had, we had everyone back uh, my second year and we were pretty good my first year. So we struggled in, in year three and again, you, I mean, we had, we had some major injuries, but again, you doubt your abilities as a coach and is this where I should be? And, um, and then the, the year after that, it just seemed like it was just more comfortable and we were starting to bring in our own players and the type of players that, you know, we, we knew we wanted when we were recruiting, which we weren't sure at first. And then you kind of get a better feel for the type of player you want to bring in. And then once we had all of our own players and we started, you know, seeing success. I think that's when I really started to get, I guess you could say comfortable. So the run at Ryan, you had success there at Archbishop Ryan, uh, what PCL semifinals, PIAA state finals. How much fun was that run there coaching at Archbishop Ryan? I loved, I loved coaching at Ryan and, you know, Hubert's and Ryan are, are big rivals um, so I wasn't sure at first, but I really, really loved it there. And it was even hard for me to apply at sciences because I was really happy where I was at. And, you know, I coached a lot of great kids there and, um, I had, you know, great su- support from the administration there. And, um, it was my second year there that we went to the state final. I say the one thing about that run was, you know, it happened so fast that I really didn't get a chance to sit back and enjoy it. And then, you know, I looked back and really I, I recognized that I didn't get a chance to enjoy it and, you know, kind of told myself that if I ever have, you know, experienced any success that's similar to that, that I really want to just enjoy it and appreciate it because you don't know if, you know, you're going to get in that situation again. But um, I was at Ryan for five years and it was five, it was five years that were a lot of fun and um, very grateful for my, my time there. And you mentioned... Hubert's and Ryan being rivals, was there a weirdness when you started to coach at Ryan? 
I don't mean well, like people yeah. making it, but just uh, yeah, well, this it, is my rival. It, it helped that there was a two-year gap there where I coached at Wood, so I didn't go right from Hubert's to Ryan. Um, but yeah, it was really weird. Uh, I want I want to say my fourth year there was the year when Hubert's was um, supposed to close. So we went to Hubert's, and it was supposed to be the last Hubert's Ryan game ever. And you know, I'm, it was at it was at Hubert's where I played my high school career. So that was very um, it was very strange for me to be um, on the visiting bench, especially in, in what was supposed to be the last year of the school. Um, but luckily, you know, they stayed open, so it ended up not being that. But it was a little different. But um, like I said, the, the two-year gap at Wood helped, so it didn't feel that weird coaching against my alma mater. So you're at Archbishop, Ryan. You're having success. How does the, the job at Science is? Is it something that piqued your interest? Did somebody say, hey, I think this is a good place for you? How did it come about? Uh, so one of my players at Ryan, uh, Megan Wolf, was had just finished her freshman year at Sciences, and I had coached Meg um, for four years at Ryan, and for either three or four years of AAU. So I had a great relationship with Meg, and um, she had told me that Paul Stadelberger had resigned and the job was open, and um, she asked me if I was interested. And you know, I kind of was just like, oh, you know, it wouldn't hurt. I, maybe I'll get a, a college interview, and you know, that'll help me down the road. Uh, so I went in for the interview and I just, you know, got a great feeling. Uh, I really liked the people, uh, down there and, and I got a second interview and thought like, wow, is this actually a possibility? Um, and then, you know, I, I got hired. So it was not something, it's definitely not something that I expected, but, um, you know, so grateful to Paul Clematis, uh, the former athletic director at sciences for hiring me. So, Sciences, it was a good program. It wasn't like yes. you were taking over a, right. you know, had a rebuild or anything like that. But it's a challenging program just because of the academic you have to uphold and the types yes. of kids that you have to bring in. Were you fully aware of that when you took the job, or was that something as you start to recruit and you start to put the pieces together, you you kind of see uh, what you have to to work with there? I, yeah, I can't say I was fully aware because I wasn't even—I wasn't fully aware of how recruiting even works at all, since I had uh, no college experience at all. So uh, I figured it out pretty quick um, once I, you know, found out what the admissions requirements were and you know what the majors were. Um, that you know it was a little bit of a challenge, but it's something where once you get the hang of it and you know how to go about finding those kids, um, it actually gets a lot easier because you can eliminate a lot of kids, you know, right away just by, you know, what they're interested in majoring in or their SAT scores. So it makes makes for a smaller pool that you can, you know, choose from. Um, and then, you know, our school is just so much to offer academically for people who are interested in, in the health science field. So, you know, once we get people on campus, it's really the school itself. It's really not a hard sell at all because, you know, you're going to get a great education um, you're going to get a great job when you when you come out of our school, and you know we hope that you're going to have a good athletic experience as well. And you mentioned how you had to learn how the recruiting works at all. How did was that trial and error, or was that phone calls to other coaches and stuff like that? How did you? Because that's something. Even as someone who has covered, I can only imagine that that has to be times overwhelming trying to get your hands around recruiting kids from all over the country. Yeah, I mean, it definitely there are some people who helped me out, other coaches. Um, a lot of it was trial and error. Uh, I remember I got hired at the end of June, and I went to a recruiting tournament in the beginning of July, 
and I bought the book and I just sat, I, did, I had no schedule. I had no plan of what I was doing. I just sat down and I just went through the book and I was like, okay, what do I do now? Um, but now, you know, now I, I know, you know, what to do in terms of having a schedule, you know, in advance. But, um, you know, there are so many really good people in, in the coaching industry who are really just so willing to help and, you know, just the big five alone or the city six, you know, um, some of those coaches have been just so helpful. Um, Denise Dillon and, and Amy Mallon at Drexel, they're, they're great. And Mike McLaughlin at Penn and, you know, Coach McLaughlin has, you know, experience in our conference. So, right. you know, he's been a great resource as well. Um, Cindy Griffin at, at St. Joe's. And, you know, there's just, there's a lot of coaches out there that are, are willing to help if, if you just ask. So I'm really grateful for that. University of the Sciences women's basketball coach Jackie Hartzell, our guest this week. Time to take a break. We will have more one-on-one right after this. It's the smart look at the issues catching fire in Philadelphia. Flashpoint. What we have is a crisis. This goes way beyond just the perpetrator. You know how many times I had stopped people in front of my house from shooting up? It was a moment where black and brown people on the margins got to say, no, we've been hurting. I think we forget that you came from somewhere else, too. Host Cherry Gregg walks you through the flames. On air Saturday evenings at 9.30 and Sunday mornings at 8.30. Or search the Flashpoint podcast on the Radio.com app. And we are back with University of the Sciences women's basketball coach Jackie Hartzell on one-on-one. So how comfortable did you feel? You had success right away at Sciences. How long did it take for you to feel comfortable that your what you want to do as a coach was going to translate to the college game? It probably took a, a couple years. You know, it helped once I brought on um, Jim Ritchie after my first year the Princeton offense that we run is, you know, it's pretty much his offense. And um, once he came on board and we really started to know what we wanted to do offensively and recruiting the types of players that fit into our offense, fit into our style of play. Um, and, you know, once we were a couple of years into running that offense, I think that's when I started to, you know, feel comfortable um, with what we, with the players we had and the players that we were bringing in. You get to the NCAA tournament three times. What was that first time you took a team to the NCAA tournament? What was that? Was it 17? Three years ago. Yeah, so two, yeah, it would have been. Yeah, that was crazy because we were 11 and 18 the year before. So uh, that year before we hadn't won any, we, we lost every non-conference game. I mean, we were in a lot of games, but we lost. Uh, we had finished third in the CAC and we lost in the first round of the playoffs. So then the following year, um, you know, we started to have some success non-conference and, um, you know, we were just trying to, to figure it out and be playing well at the end of the season. And we, we were playing pretty well going into the playoffs and, you know, Caldwell was, was really good that year and, and they had beat us pretty good at their place in the regular season. So now in the CAC championship, we were going um, to Caldwell to play Caldwell. And it was kind of like you're playing with house money, like mm-hmm. you know, we're, we're here, let's just make the best of it. Not that we were expecting to lose, but we definitely weren't expected to win being on their court. And we just, we played great. And, you know, then, you know, winning the CAC championship and getting the automatic bid, that was, that was awesome. And, and playing Bentley in the first round, it was like, wow, like Bentley. I mean, luckily our players didn't really know who Bentley was because we hadn't had any experience playing Bentley and we hadn't at the time we weren't really playing a whole lot of Northeast 10 teams but um, it was good that we didn't know who Bentley was because I feel like that made us really not fear them in Mm -hmm. that game 
Um, and that's why we, we played so well in that game. Whereas if we knew who Bentley was and that they had won the national championship like two or three years before that, it may have been a little different. But um, yeah, that was that was a great experience. Is there you've been there three times, you've won games in a tournament, but is there anything like that first time when you when you do it? No, there's really not. And I think the first time you win like the championship, the CAC championship, it was just it was surreal. Like I said, really, you know, struggling the year before, um, we kind of thought that next year we were we were going to have a chance, and we weren't really expecting to be good the year that the first year that we won. But um, yeah, the NCAA tournament experience was great. You just had no idea what to expect going into it, and um, you know, I know our players really appreciated appreciated it, and and the coaches uh, we did as well. It was. There is nothing like the, the first time you go to the NCAA tournament. And you mentioned that what that we've talked a little bit about that one year you and you were eleven and eighteen. It's the only it, it's such an outlier <laughs> when you look at your collegiate coaching record. But was that year you mentioned it was injuries and stuff like? But was that an important year? Did did you learn anything about yourself that year? Did you change anything that has maybe allowed you to become an even better coach? Um, I mean. The fact that we even made the playoffs that year, um, you know, we had, I mean, we had two major injuries and going into the year, we had said uh, there were three players, uh, three scorers that we had, and two of the three of them had to be on the court at all times for us to be able to score. And two of the three of them got injured, season ending injuries. So um, it, yeah, we did, we definitely had to change the way we were playing a lot of freshmen. So we were, we were young. Um, it changed the way we, we did things a little bit, but I mean, the following year, we really just got, we got healthy and we had a good, um, we had a good freshman class come in, which is our current senior class. Um, so they really, they really helped us. And, um, we, we did actually have multiple season ending injuries that year as well, but I think we were a little bit deeper and we had some more scorers. So, um, but yeah, that was definitely a, uh, humbling year. And, um, yeah, I look, I look back on, on that year and it was, it was frustrating, but it really makes you appreciate, you know, the, the years where you are successful. Just to give some people some context, your record at sciences is, is 136 and 48. That's the 74% winning percentage. If we eliminate the 11 and 18 year, you're 125 and 30, which is 81%. I mean, when I tell you those numbers, what runs through your mind? Because I don't feel like you're the type of person that pays a lot of attention to stuff like that. No, when, when you say, when you tell me the numbers, I just think of how fortunate I've been to have really good players and really good assistant coaches. Um, it does, it's, I don't, feel comfortable taking like credit for that because I, you know, I'm not playing the game. It's, you know, they're playing the game and I've just, I've been really fortunate um, with the coaching staffs that I've had over the past, you know, seven years. Um, But yeah, I mean, we're, I'm really lucky. The kids that we have, um, you know, they're, they're great kids and they just buy into what we're doing and it's, it just makes my job as a coach so easy. There's no, there's no discipline involved you know, for the most part, you're not coaching effort. Um, you know, it's all just, you know, X's and O's and telling them what you want them to do on the court. And they're, they're so smart and they do it. Um, so, I mean, it's, I'm in a, I'm in a good situation. And you mentioned smart because of the academics that sciences demands. 
how much of a benefit is that because you're getting kids that I don't even think it's probably even more than to, to go to science is you can't just be like book smart. You have to be able to process information quickly. And I would imagine that helps accelerate things on the court. I think it gives us a major advantage. Um, yeah, I mean, coaching at a high academic school, I think it really, really does help you on the basketball court. And I don't know if I if I want to know what it would be like to not coach at a high <laughs> academic school, because especially with the offense that we run, it's a lot of reading and reacting. And a lot of it is making the right read. And some of the stuff we do is pretty um, complex. And um, yeah, our players, they just get it. And I think it has a lot to do with the fact that they are high academic um, and they really, they're very intelligent and that definitely helps with the way that we play. How much does success breed success with regards to recruiting? How much does getting the NCAA tournament, winning CAC championships, winning NCAA tournament games, how much does that help you move closer to the goalpost the next year of recruiting? I think it helps a lot. Um, you know, right now uh, we kind of go after the players that are borderline division one players and, you know, the sell with our school, like I mentioned is, you know, great education. You're going to get a great job coming out, but you know, another sell is that, Hey, you can come in and you'll have the opportunity to play right away. And you have the opportunity to go to the NCAA tournament, whereas you might not get that opportunity at, at other schools. Um, and I think just our successes, you know, drawn kids to contact us and, and, you know, they're interested because they've heard of, you know, our success over the past couple of years. So I think that definitely um, helps with recruiting. You are very quick to deflect praise to the players and your assistants, but there has to be something that is allowing you to have this success. If you look at what you do, how you approach things, what do you think is a couple of the top things you do that allow you to win three out of every four games and have the success you do? I think it's the type of program that we have. Um, it's the team first. It's, you know, passing up a good shot to get a better shot. Um, it's it's sharing the ball. It's, you know, giving up your body, taking, you know, take a charge, an offensive foul. It's just, it's the whole, I know it's such an overused word, but it's the, it's the, it's the overall culture um, of our program. And I think that's just a really, really big, Part of it, I don't think that we necessarily have the most talented roster every year, but we have players who play together. They want to win, um, and they check their egos at the door. It's not about individual accolades. Um, we really don't put a lot into that, and we tell people that when we recruit them, that that's not what – we're not trying to get, you know, 5,000-point scorers. We're trying, we're trying to win. And um, I think having players who really buy into that – I think that has been the main reason why we've been able to be successful. Is it hard? Do you find yourself when you're recruiting because of the, having that team first? And have you, I don't want to say lost kids, but maybe veered away from kids when it became obvious that not that they were bad people, but they just weren't going to fit what you try to do? Um, I, I think that when we have them on campus for their visit, we just really harp on that. And they know going in, there's no surprises when they get to school that, oh, it doesn't matter that I'm, you know, about my thousand points or all conference. I mean, we make it very clear. So 
I don't think that we turn kids away for that because um, we, we just lay it all out there and we kind of make let them make the decision because once we tell them that when we're recruiting them, when they get there, I mean, it's, it's not going to change. Like it's about the team first. And um, it's, yeah, I mean, it's crazy. Our, our players who've gotten these individual accolades, they really, I mean, I'm sure they care, but they don't, you, you would never know it. Um, it's, it's as long as the, the team wins and people who, you know, maybe averaging 15 to 20 points a game and they don't score in a game or they score two points, but the team still wins. I mean, they're just as happy. So, um, yeah, it's definitely something where everyone buys into it because we make it clear up front so that they're, like I said, there's no surprises going in. Would Jackie Hartzell, the player, do well under Jackie Hartzell, the coach? Um, <laughs> probably. <laughs> Um, I don't think I'm that tough as, as a coach. Um, yeah, that's an interesting question. Um, yeah, I was, my coach in college said I was most mental because I just always thought things through mm-hmm. too much. So, um, the better question would probably be, would I enjoy coaching myself as a player? And probably not. <laughs> so, um, but yeah, I mean, I guess I would be able to, to play for myself. I'm a little soft. <laughs> What is your favorite part of the coaching experience? Is it game day? Is it the relationships? Is it recruiting or practice watching a kid get better? What do I'm sure they all had their pluses and minuses, but you had to put one at the top. What would it be? It's definitely the relationships. Um, it's the relationships with the players that you develop. And I mean, I'm part time. So, I mean, there's a lot of times where I wish I was full time. So I was there more. Um, but even for being part-time, I'm there a lot. And it's definitely the relationship relationships with the players. It's the relationships with, you know, the, co- the your your coaching staff, you know, other coaches um, that you, you really get to know. You get to know a lot of coaches in recruiting and, you know, going to watch other coaches' practices. And um, But, yeah, my favorite part by far is, is the relationships that you develop and, you know, players who – graduate who you still stay in touch with and they come back and um you know come to games and and you stay in touch and you see them you know see success as as professionals and um so that for me is definitely my my favorite part of coaching but i mean i i love i love all of it is being part-time is it a big i don't not hurt i don't know if hurdle but does it make it a lot tougher or You've obviously had a ton of success. You've obviously found a rhythm, but does it present challenges that maybe as a full-time coach you wouldn't have to worry about? I don't think so. Um, I'm able to make it work, and I've always um, been good at managing my time. So I just really have to, especially in season, manage my time uh, efficiently. And no, I don't think it really puts me at um, any major disadvantage. I mean, obviously I'd like to be on campus more, but even for being part-time, I'm able to I'm able to be on campus a lot, so I wouldn't say that it, it really puts us at any disadvantage. When you bring a kid in, are you pretty good at looking at a kid's skill set, persona, ego, and everything, and getting a good idea in your mind what the possibilities for that kid as a player, and has that ability to kind of hone that in gotten better as you've coached more? I think it's it's really hard. You can watch, you can watch a kid in high school and, and think that they're going to be a really good player, but you really don't know until 
you get until you get them on your campus. And you know the the college game, it's a different game. It's a you know the speed of the game. It's a much faster game. Um, you know, a lot of times, especially with the way that we play, because there is so much thinking involved, um, that you know players will come in as freshmen and we expected them to play right away and they're just not ready. Um, it happens almost every year, and it's probably going to happen again this year where freshmen they're not quite ready. And then, you know, uh, Jim Ritchie always says it takes about a year for the light to go on with this offense. And then you see it, like, once the light goes on and then you're like, okay, that's the player that we thought they were going to be. And, and we're, we're seeing it now with, with a sophomore that we have who didn't play really much as a freshman. And um, so now as a sophomore, because then her freshman year, I'm like, well, is she not going to be the player I thought she was? Um, but now I'm seeing it again. Now she's back to what she was in high school. And now you're like, okay, now I think she might end up being as good as we thought she was going to be. But I mean, I think it's something you really can't tell until they get there. And then sometimes you get a player that you thought was going to be a role player and they end up playing a lot more than that because they just, for whatever reason, they just do things that, that help you win. So, um, but yeah, it's definitely, I mean, it's a, it's a challenge to know what someone's going to be like as a college player when you're just watching them in high school and in AAU. How rewarding is it? You mentioned like seeing the light go. How rewarding is it that moment in practice when you can just tell that somebody did something because it finally clicked? I mean, that's that's kind of like the almost the top of the mountain, I would think, as a coach, getting to that point. Yeah, definitely. When you see that, you know, when it clicks for them and you can see them kind of relax and just play and stop thinking so much. And um, yeah, that's, that's so rewarding. And, you know, there are a couple kids that sometimes you're like, are they ever going to get there? Um, so when, when they do, when they do get there, it's like, you don't really have to coach, you know, now they know what they're doing. Um, you don't have to coach them in terms of what they're doing as much. It's just, you know, helping them to, you know, be better as, as an individual player. But once you can see that they're just playing and not thinking, that's definitely rewarding, um, you know, for us, especially with the way that we play. And final question, we kind of, I think I know the answer to this, but you kind of talked about when you were learning about recruiting, reaching out to other coaches. How much do you kind of treasure being a part of the Philadelphia basketball community? Because it's special, and I don't think there's anything like this anywhere in the country in a city like this. I mean, it's awesome. Like, all all three divisions, Division One, Division Two, Division Three. Um, there's so many great coaches in this area and like I mentioned, um, you know, we'll use that uh, the opportunity to go watch other people's practices. You can always learn um, and get better from from other coaches. And just even on the men's side, um, just everyone's been just extremely helpful, and they're really just willing to to do whatever you you ask of them in terms of you know, can I come watch your practice or what do you do in this situation? And um, yeah, I mean, it's. It's, it's awesome to, to be a part of. It's, it's really, it's something special. Jackie Hartzell, thanks so much for stopping in. Thanks, Matt. And that will do it for another episode. One on One is an original sports podcast from KYW News Radio. If you like this show and want to help us out, make sure you are subscribed so you don't miss an episode. You can help more people find out about the podcast by finding the show on Apple Podcasts and leaving a rating and a review. 
You can follow the show on Twitter at one on one pod, and you can follow me on Twitter at Matt Leon1060. Thanks again to University of the Sciences head women's basketball coach Jackie Hartzell for coming in this week. My name is Matt Leon. Come back next week for another good conversation with someone you should know more about.